You're listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, March Mania Fly Bracket Edition. Brought to you by Karmic Outdoors. Get your lost gear back. Where the top 64 flies go head to head. Be prepared for your next adventure with Karmic Outdoors. You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Let's go to number 13. Number 13 is the RS2 versus the Goddard Caddis. <laughs> so that's a tough one. That is a <laughs> for me that's a tough one. Sorry, but uh Yeah, no. You know how many people I talked to over the years on this podcast that have said the RS2 RS2 RS2. When I first started hearing about that pattern, I didn't know what it was, so I had to look it up. And then honestly, I wouldn't go anywhere without it, but a Goddard's Caddis, mm-hmm. come on, same thing. What I mean, yeah. What do you think about the RS2? Is that something you fish a lot of? Um, yeah, I do fish a fair number of them. Um, so like I said, my wife and I, we traveled the country, the two biggest fish that we caught on the entire trip were both on RS twos. My wife caught one in North, uh, really big, uh, fish in North Carolina on a gray RS two. And I caught a a huge rainbow trout in, um, my home waters here on an olive RS two. Cool. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's the key there. I'm sure depending on the hatches, depending on the river you're fishing, the time of day, mix the colors up, pretty versatile pattern. Goddard's Caddis, yeah. so that's going to float high and dry for a long time. Yeah, so uh, John Goddard tied this in the 1960s. It's a, uh, it's a caddis. It's probably one of my all-time favorite caddis bugs. Um, I'm excited to see what yours look like when you're done tying them because I cannot <laughs> tie these to save my life, so... Um, I'm excited to see what you produce because I just, I love this fly. You know, I should have had that stipulation, no deer hair stacking, (laughs) but that's okay. No, it's a, it's a great pattern. You get those antenna going, depending on the color, whether it's a darker one. I like to fish those in black even sometimes. Oh, I mean, the average one is kind of that pale elk hair or deer hair color, but, um, man, does it, it just works. And in so many sizes, larger sizes, Hey, it could be a stone fly, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, if it's mm-hmm. big enough, could be a salmon fly, could be, uh, could be a caddis. Well, <laughs> obviously, but yeah. Okay. So 13, that's a tough matchup. Okay. It's not getting any easier, Robert. 14. <laughs> talk it's to not me. Gonna. Number 14, we have the, the legendary elk hair caddis versus the, uh, Madam X or the Madam PMX. I've, I've heard it referred to as the elk hair caddis, uh, Al Troth out of Pennsylvania, credited with this 1957 um this is the godfather of flies i mean this is the one that sits at the head of the table at christmas dinner right we've got robert from karmic outdoors coming up next and we have got something going on called march mania fly bracket so it's kind of like a a tournament if you will 32 matchups in the first time around top flies going head to head we talk about those flies you can check out this matchup on karmicoutdoors.com. Sign up today. Pick your first 32 matchups. Follow along as we go, uh, pitting your top fly patterns head to head. Want to thank the top cities for listening this time around. Seattle, Washington, in the number one slot, followed by South Jordan, Utah. Uh, we have Salmon Arm, British Columbia, followed by Spruce Grove, Alberta. Austin, Texas, then Whistler, British Columbia, Canada. We've got Surrey, B.C., Bainbridge Island, Washington, Vernon, British Columbia, and Chicago, Illinois. Thanks, folks, for listening. 
The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, your source for all things fly fishing, and Wait For It Films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube. Based out of British Columbia, Wait For It Films can also be found on the web at www.thewaitcreativeco.com. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really stoked you chose to join us this time around because we've got something extra special that we are starting up along with Robert Gillingham from Karmic Outdoors. Get your lost gear back. We're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about March Mania Fly Bracket. Okay, so what we basically got here, Robert, first on, let's bring you on in here. How you doing? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. I'm super stoked about this. Uh, you and me both. We've been talking about it for a while and just kind of like trying to plan it all out. Why don't we tell everybody kind of what we're up to? Because um, you took the bull by the horns on this one and, and you started telling me about what you had in mind with the March Mania fly bracket. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm tell me in. Um, it's going to be yeah, a lot yeah. of time for some people. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, um, let's let's tell everybody what we're up to. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's that time of year. Uh, it's March, February, March, and uh, it's the time of year when we're optimistic about the, the fishing season to come. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of us are busy behind the fly tying bench, and some of us are busy restocking our boxes and organizing them. And so um, I, I approached you, Mark, and I was like, hey, let's let's do a, um, a, a tournament, like a college tournament that shall remain nameless. <laughs> where 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 we put two flies together and we just let people vote on them and whichever fly the the people have more confidence in you know it moves on to the next round and um yeah. you know if, if if you just want to follow along with us that's great um but if you want to use this as a guide to tying some of the most popular flies in the world do that um or if you just want to wait till the end and then just go backwards and tie maybe maybe the last uh, 16 flies or something like that uh that you know everybody that is voted has the most confidence in. Well, you're going to hear all about this on this podcast. We're also going to hear all about it. I'm sure on your social media sites, Karmic Outdoors Mm -hmm. on, on my social media sites, Fly Fishing 97. And then uh, the one thing that we started talking about is gotta be some guidelines. Otherwise it can't just be a free for all. So why don't we talk about kind of the, the guidelines where you would be fishing, um, the type of water you'd be fishing and, and, and you know, that's going to depend on the type of flies that are going to, basically go to the top i would think yeah absolutely that's a really good point you know like we all as fly fishermen know that there's a huge difference between a uh, warm spring day in march or a late summer day um so really i I just kind of wanted you to envision you're on a western river somewhere and it's it's summer right? It's not raining. It's not cloudy. It's just, a, it's just a regular day, whatever it is in your mind. I'm there now. And you're okay. <laughs> perfect. You hear the, the, you hear the river coming down and, and you hear yeah. the, the every once in a while you hear a splash. Okay. Uh, and, and you're in a run and you open your fly box and there's two flies. Which one are you grabbing? Which one are you going to grab first? Now, obviously if there's fish rising, you might not grab that nymph. Obviously, if you're a streamer guy, you might grab that streamer. But, but which one? Just, just sight unseen. You're, you're, you're there. You just got to the river. You open your fly box. Mm-hmm. Which one of these two flies are you going to grab? Which one you have more confidence in? Click the button. Move on to the next round. Um, 
it, there's so many nuances to fly fishing. It's impossible to capture them all. This is just meant to be fun and just, you know, just have fun with it and, and click on the fly and then, uh, you know, the, go on to the next round. When you came up with this list of flies and I'm looking from top to bottom, these are probably 64 of the most famous fly patterns in say the Western States on moving water that, uh, anybody could, you know, imagine like pheasant tails, yeah. prince nymphs. I mean, we're talking about copper johns. We're talking about go-to staples, right? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know what? It's been awesome for me too, because I, you know me, I fish a lot of still water. So getting into the, some of these, uh, moving water patterns, I'm seeing so many possibilities for, for my neck of the woods. And, uh, we're going to give away a lot of flies, um, tied by me and others. And, uh, we're also going to come up with some great prizes. So the thing I like about it too, Robert, is that we're all different. Some people will reach for a dry fly first. Some people will reach for a nymph. Some people will reach, reach for a streamer. Uh, whatever your wheelhouse is, because I, I mean, I would imagine we may have nymphs going head to head with other nymphs. We may have nymphs going head to head with dries. It's going to be all over the map, right? Right. And, and some of these matchups, in my opinion, are going to be kind of easier. You know, there's going to be two flies. You open your fly box, one of them is going to be a this is the fly, bam, move on. But yeah, as we start to move on down the round, I think some people are going to have some kind of, uh, some crisis. I think they're going to like really have to like sweat this one out a little bit. You know, there's, there's going to be some matchups where you're like, Ooh. Yeah. Well, there's some new flies too, that, uh, maybe weren't around quite as long, some more modern patterns. And uh, you've done a nice job here, mixing up some, some of the older traditional famous patterns you've even reached out to some of the originators of the flies which i think is really cool and our plan is to have some of those folks on the show talk about how they came to the you know to basically tie these patterns and and kind of just the whole history if you will and that's something robert and i were talking about before we started this like a lot of these patterns it's kind of hearsay a lot of it you know you hear well so-and-so originated this but to hear it in that person's words and to just kind of um have an audio history, a catalog of it, I think is going to be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And like some of these patterns are, are ancient and that isn't going to be an option, but there's some patterns where I was very surprised to find out how new or how old they were. Um, so what we did is, is we put those flies up there and then we, we went on the internet and we tried to find some, some relevant information. So, um, neither one of us are research scholars. We just Googled it. We, we looked up a couple of links. So if any of this information is wrong, please reach out to us and let us know if, if, if you know for certain that so-and-so didn't develop this pattern, but so-and-so did, mm-hmm. I, I am totally open to being wrong. Uh, like I said, I just kind of Googled these patterns and, and looked on a couple of links. So, uh, yeah, please reach out to us. Or, um, if you have a better story, I, I would love to hear that as well. Yeah, I, me too. So we're talking about March Mania Fly Bracket Edition, top sixty-four flies, all the way down to final four, maybe. <laughs> Can yeah. I say that or not? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can yeah. say final four, right? That's. Um, so I mean, we're talking about the pattern, kind of when it was created, who created it, um, uh, you know, to the best of our knowledge, what it's supposed to imitate. And uh, the history and some talking points to these flies. For me, that's kind of interesting because I think a lot of us tie these patterns. And sometimes we may be representing something we don't even realize. Right. Absolutely. Or, or you know, reading about the perspective of some of these flies that, um, you know, it was a tough day of fishing. So they added this one little piece to it and created 
potentially a whole different fly, right? And um, and and the development of of materials, mm. you know, from from the 1940s, 50s, 60s to today, with our jig hooks and and our tungsten beads and stuff is, you know, we we we're really blessed to have all the material that we have now because you know you've got like for example the the Pat's rubber legs, uh, you know that, that fly you can tie that with 40 different types of leg material, oh, yeah. right? Whereas back in the day, that was like, uh, from from what I understand, the girdle bug came from a fly tire who saw rubber sticking out of his wife's girdle and he cut the white pieces of rubber out and <laughs> attached them to a fly. Like that's, yeah. you know, that's what fly fishermen do, right? We just find material and we, we tie it to a hook and see what happens. It's funny you said that because I just tied up a whole bunch of those last night and I'm going, I want to try this color chenille. I want to try this color chenille. I want to try these color uh, rubber legs. You know, it's possibilities are endless. That's something maybe we should talk about too is a lot of these patterns we have looked up and kind of gone, okay, you know, if there's a pattern that's maybe more widely known or maybe a slight variation, we're trying to keep it a little more mainstream. Would you, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say a, a parachute, um, pale morning done or a parachute blueing olive or something like that, because they're just, there's 40 different flavors of that one particular fly. But what we've done is we've uploaded pictures of the fly that we have in our mind that, you know, when you say uh, a Hemingway tent wing caddis, this is the bug that we're talking about. And it's in the picture. So when you go to the bracket, you go to the matchup, you can click on it and then it'll show you the two different flies and a picture of the fly that we're talking about. And if you click on them, it'll give you a little bit more information, just kind of real basic what we found. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just listen to this podcast because we're going to talk about them a little bit. You know what I think is going to be cool too is – uh, what comes up on the show a lot is realistic versus suggestive patterns. And it always amazes me how many of these staples that we have are kind of suggestive. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they could be a few different things, whether it's a case caddis or, a, you know, a, even a bigger midge in some cases. You just never know. And there's a lot of crossover, I think, in some of these, some of the best patterns in my mind. Absolutely. And then you get to, you know, you get to flies that legitimately imitate a aquatic an aquatic insect and mm. they're taboo like the san juan worm or the squirmy worm right right they they legitimately match the hatch if you will and worms don't hatch but of of a of a bug that's in the water but people turn their nose away to it and it's like okay well you can you, you can put on um uh, a copper john if you want but like find me one bright red mayfly it doesn't exist right <laughs> yeah yeah fair good stuff yeah so um this this is going to be happening we're going to do this weekly maybe more than weekly because we're going to have to keep up with some p- pretty big you know some big brackets early on and as we narrow it down we'll probably dig in a little deeper to some of these patterns should we talk about some of the patterns some of these 64 top ones we've got listed what do you think yeah absolutely so our first round uh is going to end march 4th and it is 64 flies going head to head so you got uh what is that 32 matchups you got right uh 32 matchups and then that gets cut in half for round two that ends march 11th and that gets cut in half again for march 18th then we get to the quarterfinals semifinals and then the finals the last um grand champion fly the best fly that people vote on is going to be crowned on uh, the 31st of march so 
that will be our March Mania bracket. But uh, yeah, let's jump into these um, first 64 flies. Let's introduce them and then uh, let the coins fall. What is it? Coins, cards chips, fall where chips they may. Fall where Chip. they may. Let the chips fall where they may. Chips, cards, coins, it's all good. Hey, so we started at the top of the list, and this is where I started tying, Just and this is in no mm-hmm. particular order, but you had the beadhead um, pheasant tail nymph uh, flashback. Yeah. So BHFB pheasant tail. Now, honestly, I started tying I, I that up. That. What's that? You got you got rid of that? I Well, no, I, I kept the pheasant tail, but I got rid of the beadhead flashback. Part. Oh, okay, well, I did them flashback. Just, Damn it, I got to do okay, those again now. <laughs> no it's, it's totally fine because because in the rules i put i put like it's a pheasant tail if it's a pheasant tail with a bead head or yeah. a non-bead head if it's weighted or not however yeah. you want to fish this fly I like it just there it is right that's that's good keep it simple for me um yeah and then of course we've got like uh hair's ear i mean who doesn't who does not fish with a hair's ear you'd be pretty hard to find somebody that doesn't tie one of those on once in a while or more often than that yeah um, and that's where I think it's going to be really fun. I think that, you know, some of these flies, I think that we can, we can guarantee are going to move on three or four rounds, mm-hmm. but then you're going to get to, you're going to get to a, a hairs, your pheasant tail and you're going to go, damn, which one do I pick? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's like real life. I'm like that. Sometimes, right. sometimes you get, you know, the indecisiveness kills you on the water. Sometimes it's like, nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. I got to choose something. Um, right. I, I think we go across the board. It's going to be really interesting to see what people have to say. Yeah, I agree. So let's jump into these flies. What do you say? Yeah, sure, sure. What You want to kick it okay. off? You go ahead. Sure, yeah. So uh, round one, at the top of the bracket, we've got a pheasant tail versus the mop fly. Mm, uh, I the like pheasant that. pheasant tail, just your, just your classic, in my opinion, a, a, a perfect imitation of, of pretty much any aquatic insect. Um, from what I found, it was designed in 1958 by an English river keeper named Frank Sawyer. And hmm. I mean, this is a bug that everybody has, right? That sounds old. <laughs> An English river keeper. <laughs> well, yeah, it says it was designed in 1958, so not that old, but. Um, oh, man. Yeah. It's going back, though. Yeah. It is a little bit, yeah. I and mean, then the what do you, one, what do you, oh. sorry, I was just going to ask you, what are you usually using that as, as, as a mayfly imitation, depending on sizes? Could be maybe uh, a midge. Yeah. So you know, the pheasant tail to me is my all time favorite fly. I'm just going to, I'm just going to put that out there. The pheasant tail to me is, uh, you know, size 20. I've caught fish with that, with, with the mercury, um, bead on it. Uh, I've caught fish on a size eight that I used for during the squala hatch. Wow. So it's just a, it just a, such diversity there to that, to that fly. And, um, just such a, such a perfect little fly. Love it. Love it. I, I, uh, I don't know, man. I think there'll be people that, uh, it's hard to bet against a pheasant tail though. I'm, I'm thinking that mop fly that hasn't been around that many years, has it? But, uh, you got young versus old right there. Yeah. So from what I found, the mop fly was designed in 2006 from a gentleman named Jim Estes. Um, and from what I understand it, it's designed to imitate a caddis or a cased caddis or mm-hmm. maybe even worms and, I mean, I'm I'm willing to bet the uh, the hatchery fish think it's the food pellets too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I personally have never fished one. Have you ever fished one? Or have I, you- I have um, with a little bit of success, but 
Um, I'm not, I'm not convinced I had the right color mop, if that makes sense. I had a bright yeah. chartreuse one, and uh, I think some of those earth colors, um, depending on the size, um, it's it's a fishy looking fly, and it, it looks to me so much like a cased caddis, just kind of with a little, mm-hmm. you know, a little worm sticking out floating by. Yeah, absolutely. I I I'm not opposed to putting it on my on my line. I just have never done it. Yeah. Well, it's right, it's not to... a hard tie either. No, it looks like it's very easy. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go for the next one. Shoot. Okay. So the next one we've got um, another classic. I've got the Prince Nymph versus the Barely Legal. Um, and I just want to address something right now. I didn't, this is just random generated. We put the flies in there, clicked random generator, and it just put these flies together. So I, I am sorry for uh, <laughs> Kelly Gallup. Um, if your Barely Legal doesn't make it very far because it got beat out by the Prince Nip, hey, blame the computer, man. I'm sorry. But, uh, but the Prince Nip, uh, I think, was first designed in the 1930s by Doug Prince. Uh, again, this is what you were going to earlier is, uh, the Prince Nymph, in my opinion, doesn't imitate anything really specifically. It's kind of an attractor pattern. Yeah. Um, it can be tied with or without a bead. Um, and its predecessor was called the Brown Forked Tail Nymph, which is created by uh, Don and Dick Olson in Minnesota. Hmm. Uh, so it's just kind of gone through its, its rounds of evolution. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, in my opinion, the Prince Nymph doesn't, really imitate anything perfectly does it no in my mind it's a total suggestive pattern uh could be a mayfly Mm -hmm. could be a lot of things but i'll tell you something mixing the colors up on that one too like um there's a pattern here in my home waters in british columbia in in moving waters that people fish a lot and it's called the purple prince and Mm -hmm. it absolutely slays them Mm. so but yeah no so prince nymph versus barely legal i gotta i gotta be honest i've never fished a barely legal i don't even really know what that is what does that look like um it is a it is just a big marabou type streamer that kelly gallup designed Mm. imitates bait fish sculpins juvenile fish um okay it's it is a it's a it's a very common fly for the the madison or the south fork of the snake um and I think why it's so successful is because it, it has lots of marabou, which has lots of motion and movement, but it also pushes a lot of water when you're stripping it, you know, mm-hmm. and those, those predatory fish can feel for that. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a successful fly. This fly just has stacks and stacks and stacks of marabou. Um, it's a great fly. Um, I don't know that personally I've, I've given enough time on the end of my line. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, well, marabou There's... has such a lifelike quality in the water, and that for me is always a go-to. So something to keep in mind we're talking about here is basically picture yourself in Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Washington, Utah, Oregon, a western moving river, summer, weather is good, not a lot of hatches going on. What are you reaching for? What's what's the next matchup you got in front of you, Robert? Next matchup is one that I'm having a, an existential crisis about. Man, I'm going to be happy for either one of these flies that moves on, but uh, they're both among my favorites. So I've got the Pat's rubber leg, which is sometimes just referred to as the rubber legs or the the girdle bug. But um, okay. if you go on our on our uh, bracket there, you click on it, you're going to see the fly. This is what we're talking about. Um, and that's something, you know, a lot of times these flies go by lots of different names, but this is what we're going by. Uh, the Pat's rubber legs versus the humpy oh that's that's throwing it all out there it's funny you know i actually knew 
Pat's rubber legs. I knew it as girdle bug. And that's, uh, that's been around for a lot of years and, uh, man, it's fishy, but (laughs) it's hard to, it's hard to beat a humpy too. So, uh, I don't know where I'd go with that just yet. I got to think long and hard on that one. I know that's what I'm saying. Round one matchup three. And we're already like, Oh, you know, the, the Pat's rubber legs is your, is your classic stone fly, um, you know, golden stone all the way up to your salmon fly stones. Um, but just, you can tie it in all different colors. Like you were saying, all different types of legs. Um, I've seen some with bead heads, some without, and it's just, it's just such a, it's such a fishy bug. Yeah. Um, and then you got the humpy, which is just, just a classic, you know, um, from the 1940s, Jack Horner, uh, out of Northern Sierras, it's sort of a mayfly, sort of an attractor. Um, but this fly was one of the first flies I think I ever caught a fish on dry fly wish. And, and this is one of the flies that I, um, you know, I cut, I cut my teeth fly fishing with this thing. And, and I still on, you know, smaller streams, smaller tribs, uh, throw this, you know, as, as one of my go-to flies. What's your favorite color body on the humpy? I always like to ask that cause it varies a lot. Yeah, I think I start with red, and then if that yeah. doesn't work, I switch to yellow. And then if that doesn't work, I throw my fly box away because those two will work. <laughs> <laughs> I used to fish it in brown all the time. Really? And, brown. Yeah, brown and green. Well, because where I'm at, it really looks like a caddis just emerging oh. in my mind. So when a caddis oh. is first busting that shuck, that mm-hmm. that to me is, is where I use it. But uh, it could be so many things depending on the size, depending on the color. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, game three, Pat's rubber legs or the girdle bug or the rubber legs, whatever you want to call it, versus the humpy. Uh, click on which one you think you have more confidence in, and let's move on. I love it. Okay, I'm 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 getting into this now. Okay, what about next yeah. round? What, what do we got? Okay, we're rattling off. This doozy. is this is gonna be a big one, right? This is the biggest head to head because we're we're starting with yep, um, sixty four flies, right? And we're, yep. we're going with 32 head-to-head matchups, and we're going to yep. uh, 32 head-to-head. That's a lot of matchups right out of the gate. So let's go with number four. Sorry. Yeah, yeah no worries. Number four, uh, another doozy here. we got the Guide's Choice Hare's Ear versus the Juju Betis. Well, I got, you know. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, the Hare's Ear for me is like, okay, when you say Guide's Choice, I mean, I'm thinking uh, – what does that look like exactly? Um, because uh, the hair's ear that I fish all the time is kind of like a, a beige kind of, I think we call yeah. it hair's ear dubbing and then it's got a little darker thorax, but, um, what's a guide's choice exactly? Yeah. So, you know, you've got your, your you close your eyes, you've got your traditional, uh, hair's ear there. The guide's choice hair's ear from what I understand is, um, is a little bit of a peacock. Um, right. And, you you run soft hackle around the around the top, and so it can have a bead or not. It can have a hot spot or not. But I, I typically have seen it with um, with a soft hackle and maybe an orange hot spot. Oh, nice. Yeah, that yeah. sounds fishy. And yeah, no, it, I think it's a great fly. And sometimes I've seen it with rubber legs too. Um, I think it just gets in the way too much with the rubber legs. But um, but the guy's choice hair's ear. You got you got the hair's ear, and you've got like the next level with the peacock and the soft tackle and potentially a hot spot. Um, And that's going head to head with, with the juju betis. So this fly is, uh, is a creation of the, the legend himself, Charlie Craven, and it imitates betis and midges 
very thin pattern, but very, very buggy. Uh, my wife and I traveled the country fly fishing and we were in Colorado and it was, it was a cold fall, a uh, couple of days and we were introduced to this pattern uh, and it just saved the trip for us. I mean, it was, it was lights out with this pattern. Uh, mm. So I would have a hard time looking at my box and picking one or the other. Yeah, for sure. You know what? It's amazing me as I look down the list of these flies, there's a lot of these flies that I have not fished or tied. And uh, I think that's going to be a cool learning curve for a lot of us. Cause you know, 64 patterns that's a lot of fly boxes you know what i mean if you've got a, a half dozen of each so chances are yeah. you don't have all these in your box at any one time yeah absolutely and if you're if you're new to fly fishing um you know just go to just go to your local fly shop and then get get these patterns or you know get half of these patterns um because these are in my opinion and and in mark's opinion and as you'll see as they progress the, the most popular fly patterns that people have the most confidence in so if you want to sit down and tie them all more power to you yep. but if you're new, maybe newer and um and you're just looking at getting some some really good you know quality flies here they are for you and and i'm going to be going along with robert as as we pick these flies and 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 tying up uh, at least three of each. So, and basically that, so that's like 192 flies. Then we're going to give those away in multiple boxes, which I think would be yeah. kind of fun. Um, that's going to be cool. Yeah. I, 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 I commend you for doing that, Mark. Oh man. It's, it's a learning curve for me and, and it's a perfect time. It's winter here. So it's, uh, yeah, it's perfect. Um, let, yeah. okay. Let's talk about the next matchup. Number five, moving on, moving on. Number five, we've got the rainbow warrior versus the jig Pertagon, which is, Ooh which is, this is a tough one for me again. So uh, the Rainbow Warrior designed in the 2000s by the legend himself, Lance Egan. It's oftentimes referred to as the Egan's Rainbow Warrior. Uh, I think it's an attractor pattern, uh, but it's typically smaller size, 16, 18, 20s. Um, and it's it's just got this like pinkish hue to it, just a very pretty fly, but just very deadly on the water. Yeah. Um, and, and just like with any of these flies, you can change the color of it to to match your needs. I actually really like it with a black body, really, and, and the pinkish and the pinkish head. Yeah, I think mm. it's just. I think I think it, to me, the black body and the pinkish um, dubbing makes it look like a midge that is actively emerging, right? Yeah, oh, hundred percent. I I fished uh, a lot of Rainbow Warriors, and that is a fly I've done really well on over the years. And and to be quite honest, a lot of times under an indicator. Yep, absolutely. Yep. yep. So what about the uh, the Jig Pertagon? What, what's your thoughts on that? So I I don't know about you, but I feel like every couple of years there's these flies that just kind of take over, right? They're just like really popular. And I feel like the Jig Pertagon, in my opinion, popped up kind of out of nowhere in the past five years or so. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, from what I gather, it's a, it's a fly from Spain. Uh, it imitates midges and betas. It's a very slender profile, very big or, you know, all, almost, almost, it looks like it's the wrong size bead for the fly. Yeah, for um, sure. And uh, so the word pertagon means pellet or shot. Um, and so, and that's what it does. Uh, it's typically, like I said, the jig head, and it just gets down the water column very quickly. And so I think some of the key ingredients for the jig pertagon is that it has a hot spot. Some of them have uh, tails. And then I think that the one of the keys is the black dot on the back of it. Mm-hmm. But with with infinite color options, just, you know, go to your fly shop, 
and then see which ones they're using. Um, and here's a, here's a bit of advice for the, the newish fly fishermen. Go to the fly shop and then see which bugs are completely empty. And those are the bugs. <laughs> that's a fish you're eating. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And I, I know from some of the interviews that I've had on this very show, because we do a lot on the world of competitive fly fishing. And the reason, mm-hmm. the reason I like to do that, Robert, is not because I'm that competitive guy. Even I, That's where we learn from. So Pertagon's a good example. Um, Team Spain has won a lot of championships with that very fly. And, and now yeah. it's basically migrated to North America and the rest of the, the globe. But Pertagon is, is, uh, I mean, it's a staple now. You, you, you're not going to see many, yeah. you're not going to see a competitive fly fisher move, fish and moving water w- without that pattern. Yeah, absolutely. You're not going to, you're not going to catch a guide yeah. in Eastern Idaho, Montana without that. It probably on our dropper, right below, uh, below some kind of big foamy thing. Yeah. Um, well said. yeah. All right. That's a tough one again. Uh, these are getting harder. Okay. What about yeah. number six here? What's, uh, what no, are we looking at? Okay, number six, we've got uh, the split case or the split back PMD, whichever one you want to call it, versus the serendipity. So you got a you got this uh, got this you know emerging PMD bug versus this legendary classic um, fly. Hmm. So uh, I, the the split case split back PMD. Uh, is made to imitate uh, pale morning duns, and the the foam is typically what is used in that in that back area that's that's popping through the the casing there, and uh, I think that is just is just killer. I mean, I think that the foam that that bright yellow just makes it look yeah. extremely vulnerable. I think it floats well. Um, I think it acts great in the water, and you know. Trout are predators, and when predators see something that's vulnerable, they eat it. And this is when a fly is the most vulnerable, is when it's breaking through that exoskeleton you know, on its way out of the water. And so I think that trout just really take advantage of that. When I think of pale um, morning duns, Robert, it's, I'm always thinking first light, early, early in the morning, you know, that sun's coming up. And those trout are slurping, and uh, I know the waters I fish. There's a lot of pale morning dun hatches, and man, I've had some good memories with with that very fly. So that one yeah. speaks to me for sure. What about Absolutely. the serendipity? What do you think about that one? The serendipity, you know, I'll be honest with you. The serendipity is one of those flies that I just have not fished a whole lot. Um, it was designed in the 1980s by Nick Nicholas of Blue Ribbon Flies in West Yellowstone. I think it's a midge or maybe even a caddis imitation because I've seen some serendipities that are that are fairly large, mm-hmm. but um, but it's it's a midge and it's got deer hair uh, towards the towards the hook eye, and I think that's made to imitate an air bubble of like a, an emerging type bug. Um, I've I've seen them you know in the size twenty twenty two, but I've also seen them all the way down to size twelve and fourteens. I've seen them in every color combination with wire or not. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have much experience with serendipity. How about you, Mark? No, I honestly don't. Um, but looking at it as a pattern, I could see where that's a pretty suggestive pattern. And like you said, mm-hmm. depending on the size you're going to tie, like you could tie it in stonefly sizes probably if you wanted. You know what I yeah. mean? All the way down yeah. to midges and mayflies and yeah that uh it could imitate a lot of things and again that's getting back to that suggestive thing okay so there's yeah. there's uh the sixth uh matchup what about number seven lucky number seven matchup 
Number seven, we've got the classic Zugbug versus the Manhattan Midge. Old, so old versus the Zugbug, new? Old versus new, yeah. The, the Zugbug is developed in 1930s by uh, Cliff Zug out of Pennsylvania. Uh, I think it's kind of an attractor pattern, you know, similar to the the Prince Nymph. Um, it's a little bit different. What my my favorite way to fish the Zugbug is actually in lakes. Um, I think it looks like a great damselfly, maybe tied a little bit bigger, but I think it's a great still water pattern, and I, I've done really well with it for trout, but also for for panfish. Yeah, it, it's a versatile pattern for sure, and it's one that I have used a lot over the years for sure. Um, yeah. Manhattan though, on the other hand, myself, this is a new fly to me, never fished it. So yeah, it, it, it is relatively new to the world. It was designed in 2014 by Forrest Dorsey. Um, and as the story goes, they're just in their New York apartments, tie and flies. And he just took a bunch of the different, uh, took a bunch of different parts from, um, well-known midge patterns and just kind of combined them into this one. So it's got little bits of the top secret midge, little bits of the mercury midge, little bits of the blood midge, um, and just incorporate it into one pattern. Um, I personally love this fly. I love tying this fly. I love fishing this fly. Um, I typically have this cause it's an emerging midge. I typically have it, you know, 18, 20 inches above a zebra midge or something. Okay. And, um, I've done really well with this fly, but yeah, relatively new 2014, Versus the Zug Bug all the way back in the, the 1930s. So Good stuff. Okay, let's move on to uh, the eighth matchup of the, the, uh, eighth, the first bracket. The eighth matchup is, I think it's going to be one for the record books here. It is the uh, the Squirmy Wormy versus the San Juan Worm. And oh. like, like I was saying, the computer randomly generated this. I did not put these together. But I am very interested to see which one of these moves on to the next round. So, hmm. yeah, that's uh, it's hard to bet against the San Juan, but I'm telling you, we fish squirmy wormies quite a lot, and uh, they work in a lot of applications in my mind, depending on the size. They do absolutely, and and it's kind of hard to hate on these new modern flies when there's like we're saying there's just all this new material out there. So yeah, uh, from from what I gathered, it's tied by Dave Heiss out of North Carolina. And it was, it wasn't really a, a prank, but I think he was at the arts and crafts store and found, um, a ball that had like tentacles on it. And he was like, well, let me try that. And, um, it, it is a great bug. It floats in the waters, has lots of action to it. Um, and it, and it does in fact resemble aquatic worms. Um, and mm. I personally have no problem fishing it and I will fish it all day long if the fish are eating it yeah okay if it's in the water it counts it's it's in the water yeah (laughs) so then if the squirmy worm is the is the modern the classic is the san juan worm and from what i gathered it's designed in the 1960s and 70s um and it was originally designed on the san juan river but these worms hatch in pretty much any river in the united states um especially Western rivers. So the San Juan worm is, is a staple in most Western guide fly boxes. In your mind, is that a lot of times too, like when you've had some heavy, heavy runoff or some, you know, some, a night of rain and like basically small earthworms get washed in there. Are you thinking it's more of a caterpillar that kind of just, or a a larva, maybe a blood worm from a, a coronamid? Um, 
it could be a few a few things for sure. Yeah, absolutely it can. And he, I guess here's all you really need to know about the San Juan Worm. It won the Jackson Hole One Fly Tournament, and hmm. any fly any fly that wins that tournament demands respect. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I just can't I just can't help but to tie that one on every once in a while, especially when times are getting tough. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's some patterns like that though, isn't it? You know, they're your go-to, but it's like when in doubt, unleash this because in, yeah. you know it's going to work, or if there's fish around, they're going to hit it. Yeah, that's that's the panic button fly, right? <laughs> panic button. That's the word I was looking for. I, I hit that button quite often, actually. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> More than I'd like to admit. Okay, um, let's talk about the next matchup, number nine. Okay, matchup number nine. We've got the Gunslinger versus the Quill Midge Emerger, the Quill Body Emerger. Uh, the Gunslinger is... Uh, is, is, is a great pattern. I'm not sure. I think you can really only get these at Sportsman's Warehouse or you can tie it yourself. But um, it was designed by Steve Smitty in the 90s. It's a mayfly imitation. The story goes they were fishing on the Madison River. Fishing was kind of slow. He went back to uh, to the cabin, I guess, and, and tied some of these on there. So it's very similar to a pheasant tail, but it's kind of tied on a, on a, on a curved uh, scud hook which yeah. in my opinion makes it look very buggy. Yeah. Um, and it has a, that exoskeleton, I'm not sure what the, the flexi something on the back. Okay. Um, and typically it has, um, flash legs. So, um, it, it's just a very great fly. Uh, take a look at the picture of it. And, um, I reached out to Steve to, to get some information from him and he donated, um, a dozen of these flies. So hmm. whoever wins is going to get, uh, is going to get a dozen gunslingers from the from the man himself. That is awesome. So what did yeah. he what did he have to say when you said, "Hey, we're we're doing this uh, March Mania fly bracket. Your flies going head to head." Was he? Uh, did he sound like he was into it? Yeah, he he sounded like he was into it. Um, I I you know I couldn't tell him that much about it. I couldn't tell him you know which fly was yeah, was right. going against or whatnot. But um, pheasant. But tail. yeah, I mean this is. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite flies and uh, hmm. yeah, he did a great job designing that, this fly. That's awesome. I think it's so cool that you reached out to him and, and you know what, we should try and reach out to him and see if he can, is willing to come on here and, and talk about it. I bet he would be. I bet he would be. I love it. Okay. okay and that so one is go, going up. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so, Game nine, the gunslinger, which we just talked about, versus the uh, quill midge or quill body emerger. And so, if you were to Google that pattern, there are probably dozens of different patterns looking all different sizes, shapes, and colors. But the picture that we have on there on the bracket is the one that we're referring to. And I just think this is such an amazing fly that you can tie in a variety of colors and shapes and sizes. But I, what I love about it is that CDC head that pokes up out of the water so the body kind of sits in the water in the foam line yeah and the cdc floats high so you can you can actually see these really tiny bugs um i love that, patterns robert that are kind of like in the surface film you know yeah trout yeah. they love they love to feed there everything's so vulnerable right right exactly hmm. um but oftentimes when when bugs are in that film they're hard to see yeah um but this one allows you to, to actually see that fly. Um, the only 
problem I have with this bug is it's CDC. So when you catch a fish with it, it's it gets wet and then it's hard to dry it out. So, you know, I typically have half a dozen of these or more. And when I catch one, I just cut it off yeah, and tie a new one on and just kind of let them dry out, put them on rotation. That's that's a good point, because I think I think a lot of us not that we get lazy, but I'll reach for a pattern that I know is going to if I'm fishing a dry, you want it to ride high for as long as you possibly can. And I got to admit, mm-hmm. a lot of times I go to these foam patterns because they're pretty hard to sink. You know? <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, yeah, I love it. OK, so the uh, gunslinger is going up against the quill emerger, right? Yep. Yep, yeah. quill body emerger. Quill yep. body emerger. And um, okay. is that something you tie much up? Yeah, I do. I I wish I was better at it, um, but I do tie that. I I predominantly tie it in in two colors. I tie it in the um, in the the black and silvery midge type, but I also tie it in the green, mm-hmm. uh, bluing olive type. Nice colors. Yeah, yeah, those those quills look so realistic too. They do. That, that's yeah. like segmentation look really good. Yeah. All right, let's go to the 10th matchup. What do we got? Okay, matchup 10. We got the Mole Fly, another Charlie Craven special. Um, this is, it's similar to that Cool Body Emerger, but it's more of a, uh, it's more of a dubbing body. Still a very, very good fly. It's one of those go-to, like we were saying, panic button flies uh, versus the Foam Beetle, which is, you know, it's one of those flies that, everybody has in their fly box and, and we fish everything else. And then we finally grab that one, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm talking about just your regular foam, uh, beetle and it can be tied in various sizes, imitates beetles, ants. And even if you tie it pretty big, it can imitate a cicada. Um, hmm. I'm, I'm not talking about the foam beetles that you fish out at pyramid Lake for those giant Lahan cutthroat trouts. Just your standard foam beetle, um, yep. but yeah, the, just the classic. Good stuff. So um, it's your chance to kind of pick your favorite patterns, and we're really curious to see where everyone's going to fall on this uh, March Mania fly bracket. Top sixty-four flies going head to head. Number eleven. What's our eleventh matchup? Number eleven is one of those um, is one of those summertime matchups like this. The the perfect summertime matchup. So we've got. A, a red or black amp, you know, pick your poison, whichever one, red or black amp versus a trico spinner. Ooh, <laughs> that's a toughie. I, that is a good one. Yeah. You know where I have problems is when we get into the, some of the small patterns that I can't see. <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah. I'll stick, I'll stick with something that rides a little higher, but I, I, I struggle with tricos. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but man, they do catch some no, big, they're... they catch some big fish. They, it's, it's astounding. Um, yeah. So the, the red and black ant is, is the first fish I ever caught a fly on was on a red ant pattern. Hmm. So, so this pattern kind of has a, has a special place for me, but you can tie a red or black ant in a variety of colors, shapes with hackle, without hackle. I've seen them parachute. I've seen them with CDC, whatever. Um, but you know, the one we're kind of talking about is just the one that's on the bracket picture and, um, you can tie it in red or black, whatever. And the, the trico spinner, like you're saying, man, that fly is hard to see, but it is a killer. Yeah. 
put the glasses on if you have to, because it's probably worth it. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, let's yeah. jump into 12, man. We got 32 of these to do. Where are we at yeah. on number 12? Let's get at it here. So number 12 is the Ray Charles versus the Top Secret Midge. So the Ray Charles bug is a, it, it's a guide fly. It imitates sow bugs and shrimp and scuds, and it comes from the Bighorn River. Personally, I've never fished one. We don't have a lot of these uh, sow bugs, shrimp, or scuds in, in the rivers near me. Um, but everybody that I know that has them, this is one of the first flies they put on. Hmm. Yeah, it's not a pattern I'm familiar with, so it's something I'm excited to tie and ex- excited to try. Good, yeah. Uh, the Top Secret Midge is developed in 2001 by uh, Pat Dorsey, um, and it is, you know, it's it's probably one of one of just the fastest go-to flies you should if you're fishing midges this is probably one that you should put on there um if you if you don't want to waste time experimenting you put this fly on knowing you're going to probably catch fish with it so yeah game 12 i'm I'm excited to see this matchup and and see who votes on the next one if pat dorsey's tying them and it's in his box you probably want to have a few of those okay right, yeah let's go to number 13 number 13 is the rs2 versus the goddard caddis <laughs> so that's a tough one that is a <laughs> for me that's a tough one sorry but uh yeah no you know how many people i talked to over the years on this podcast that have said the rs2 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 when i first started hearing about that pattern i didn't know what it was so i had to look it up and then Honestly, I wouldn't go anywhere without it. But a Goddard's caddis? Come on, same thing. What, I mean, yeah. what do you think about the RS2? Is that something you fish a lot of? Um, yeah, I do fish a fair number of them. Um, so like I said, my wife and I, we traveled the country. The two biggest fish that we caught on the entire trip were both on RS2s. My wife caught one in North, uh, really big uh, fish in North Carolina on a gray RS2. Mm-hmm. And I caught a, a huge rainbow trout in um, my home waters here on an olive rs2 cool yeah and that's yeah. that's the key there i'm sure depending on the hatches depending on the river you're fishing the time of day mix the colors up pretty versatile pattern goddard's caddis yeah. so that's going to float high and dry for a long time yeah so uh john goddard tied this in the 1960s it's a uh, it's a caddis it's probably one of my all-time favorite caddis bugs um, I'm excited to see what yours look like when you're done tying them. Cause I cannot <laughs> tie these to save my life. So, um, yeah. I'm excited to see what you produce because I just, I love this fly. You know, I should have had that stipulation. No deer hair stacking, <laughs> but that's okay. No, it's a, it's a great pattern. You get those antenna going depending on the color, whether it's a darker one. I like to fish those in black even sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, the average one is kind of that pale elk hair or deer hair color, but, um, man, does it, it just works. And in so many sizes, right. larger sizes, Hey, it could be a stonefly, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, if it's mm-hmm. big enough, could be a salmon fly, could be, uh, could be a caddis. Well, <laughs> obviously, but yeah. Okay. So 13, that's a tough matchup. Okay. It's not getting any easier, Robert. 14. <laughs> talk to me. Gonna. Number 14. We have the, the legendary elk hair caddis versus the, uh, Madam X or the Madam PMX. I've, I've heard it referred to as the elk hair caddis, uh, Al Troth out of Pennsylvania, credited with this 1957 um this is the godfather of flies i mean this is the one that sits at the head 
of the table at Christmas dinner, right? This is <laughs> this is the this is the fly. I mean, I dare you to find one single fly fisherman in the world that hasn't caught a fish with yeah. this fly. Agreed, hundred percent. What what color body are you tying on yours? I like uh, tannish, brownish, yeah, or black. Yeah, I like green, olive. Oh, really? Yeah, but the, again, I'm fishing a lot of still water. But yeah, the brown, it's such a versatile pattern. It mm-hmm. looks buggy. It looks like it's moving. It floats nice and high. You know, it's buoyant mm-hmm. with the elk hair. Man, it's, uh, that's that's a tough one to beat, to be honest with you. Madam X, that's not something I fish a lot of. What does that look like? Um, I actually fish a lot of Madam X in the summertime. It's uh, from Doug Swisher. It's just a, a stone fly or a hopper pattern. But what's great about the versatility of this pattern is you can tie it really in any color, any size. Um, it's just it's it's a it's a very durable fly. It floats really high. Great pattern. Love it. Summertime. Cool. Okay. So pick out your own flies, your personal faves. Follow along. Tie with us. Um, kind of look at some of the history of some of these flies on the March Mania fly bracket. Fifteenth matchup. Who we got, Robert? We have the Moorish Hopper versus the Adams Fly. And with the Adams Fly, I left that for the user to decide if they want the the traditional Adams or the parachute Adams. So okay. we'll get started with the Moorish's Hopper. So, um, so with some of these, I couldn't find the date or whatever. So I did a little more digging. I actually called and talked to Ken Moorish, and, and he was happy to talk to me. Cool. He said he developed this fly around 2008. Um, he said that he sat there for almost a year looking at a grasshopper and trying to match the proportions of a grasshopper. Hmm. And I think, I think he, he did a bang up job with this fly. This fly, it just took the world by storm. I think it, it's just a, a wonderful hopper pattern. What did he think about being in the top 64? Uh, he was, he was, he was very honored to have two flies. Uh, we're going to get to his other fly. Cool. later on in the bracket but um but yeah he, he's honored to to be in this bracket and um i i guess we'll see <laughs> unless or he's going to be upset one of the two we'll see <laughs> well he's got he's got it in tough with the adams um mm-hmm. i mean the adams obviously is that that pattern and and that's one question i ask all the time on this show is if you had one fly pattern to pick what would it be mm-hmm. and i know that's a crazy question for a lot of us but i always like to kind of gauge where people are at the Adams and the, the previous one you mentioned the elk hair caddis in the last matchup those ones come up a lot but right. uh I mean the nice thing about that hopper it's gonna ride nice and high um yeah it's a great matchup yeah so we got the Morse hopper versus the Adams and like I said it's the the traditional or the parachute and so the traditional Adams has the the hackle um perpendicular to the water surface and the parachute is a parachute pattern where it's parallel to the water surface um i think there's benefits to both um but like you're saying i mean that fly um if it doesn't make it all the way down i'm gonna have no faith in humanity (laughs) it was first tied in in 1922 by leonard holiday and um any fly that's been around for a hundred years is i mean deserves some respect right yeah yeah, amen. And that Adam's gray color, <laughs> it's so versatile, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and in various sizes, too, it's the same thing. I mean, yeah, it could be a, 
a midge or a chronomid, like it could be a mosquito. It could be, it could mm-hmm. be, and depending, you know, you get in some of those bigger sizes again. Um, it could be some of the larger, uh, larger mayflies, smaller mayflies. Um, just mm-hmm. a, just a great all around pattern. Great all around pattern. I agree. I got to figure out if I'm going to tie parachute or not. Doesn't matter. I'm easy. Okay. Okay. Let's jump into uh, the 16th matchup. What do we got? Okay. Halfway, the irresistible versus the gold ribbed hair's ear. So the Mm. irresistible is first tied in the 1930s by Joe Messinger. Um, It's described as an attractor. Uh, Personally, I don't think I've ever fished one. I have, and and it does work. Um, it's just buggy, right? Yeah, it's just buggy. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a hard time keeping them buoyant, to be mm-hmm. honest. But uh, yeah, it's just there's something about it that just looks natural. But uh, I mean, you you're putting together. I love the fact we got a dry going head to head with a nymph because these are two patterns that most people have probably either seen or have in their box. Right, right, absolutely. I think. I think when you when you buy any of these um, starter kits of any kind of fly fishing, it comes with a fly box. It's probably going to have an irresistible in it, and it's probably going to have a gold repairs ear in it. Yeah, fair. That's something uh, I fish a lot, a lot. Yeah. What about you? Uh, the gold repairs ear for me is, you know, if if the pheasant tail is my favorite fly, which I'm I've been vocal about, the hairs ear is my second favorite fly. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't find a lot of information on it. So if people would, uh, would help me out here, write in, uh, email us, let us know, uh, best I could find is that it was designed in the 1910s. Hmm. Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't have anybody to credit for it. Um, I mean, you can imagine a hair's ear back then, you know, somebody shot a rabbit, he's got fly tying material, yeah. right? Made a fly, yeah. made a fly out of it. I got a feeling that might be a British origin. That one sounds, uh. You know, when you go back to the early 1900s and hair's ear. But, uh, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing pattern. And, can again, can be so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And variations, depending on the color. I think, I think, do you know what's funny is we used to fish those, basically a, a ribbed hair's ear in olive. And it worked mm-hmm. like a hot yep. dam. Yep, yep. Um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, gold ribbed hair's ear, um, Put it as your beadhead or no beadhead, olive, black, your traditional tan, gray colors. Whatever, when you open your fly box, you got an irresistible on one side and you got a gold repairs here on the other side. Which one are you picking? <laughs> I love it. Okay, next matchup, number 17 on our March Mania fly bracket. What do we got? We have the parachute pale morning done versus the woolly worm. Ooh. So the parachute pale morning done, um, you know, I think we could have probably done 15 flies of, of the parachute variety, right? Just pretty much any mayfly has a parachute yep. uh, ver- version of it. But, um, but I think this, this fly kind of stands out because it's just, it's just such a, a go-to fly. It's just such a standard fly. Um, it imitates any, any type of mayfly, typically, you know, palish color, um, but you can tie it in, in whatever color you really want. Um, and I, I'm willing to bet you that more fish have been caught on this pattern than probably any other fly in this entire matchup. Yeah, I, you're probably not wrong. 
But, you know, I, I got a personal bias, and you'll laugh, but the woolly worm, I think, is one of the first patterns I ever tied at the vice as a young kid because mm. it's it's not a difficult tie, and it, and it's pretty buggy itself, but a very different, very different pattern, obviously. Yeah. So what I was able to find about the woolly worm is that this is this is the oldest fly on the bracket. Um, it There are references to this fly from the year 1653 hmm. from from Isaac Walton. Oh, wow. Um yeah, and from what I understand, it is it's an ancient pattern. Um and personally I've never fished it on a river. I've only ever fished it on lakes. How about you? I I've done both. I think I think it can imitate a case caddis quite nicely, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the size. Um but it's right. What I find is these patterns you're throwing out here, some of these older patterns I haven't fished in years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, you go through the longer we do this, you mentioned this off the top patterns are kind of cyclical. What's the hot pattern now, whether it's a mop fly or, um, PMD, whatever, whatever the pattern is today. Um, something like this that stood the test of time, like a woolly worm. Um, yeah. it could be a lot of things, man. It's, it's not a hard tie. And, uh, it, it looks like an old pattern, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It looks like something that you would find in antiquity. Yeah. When he said Isaac Walton, I was like, "Oh man, okay, that's uh, that's that's as deep as we've gone so far." <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, Good stuff. What about? Okay, so let. Any, are we done with the woolly worm? You want to move on to eighteen? Moving on to eighteen. Okay. What do we got? What's the fly matchup? Okay, so we got another old versus new. We got the uh, the gray fox versus the hippie stomper. <laughs> there's for some reason that i like that you got old versus new the hippie stomper got, versus the gray fox um, yeah you got the it, you know the gray fox just sounds like this this nobleman's this british you know you know cigar humidor type right fly and then you got the hippie stomper which is you know somebody That's, smoking a <laughs> smoking some reefer on the side of the bank listening to the grateful dead <laughs> exactly um, yeah all right let's talk about the gray fox so I don't have much about it. I found that it was designed by Preston Jennings as a mayfly pattern. It's another one of those just classic um, classic patterns, um, and I, I haven't fished it much. I don't think I have any fox hair on my tying bench. I might have to work on that. Um, yeah. Gray fox. So what does it look like? Is it kind of is it in the is it in the hair's ear vein? I actually don't. I've never fished this pattern, so. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like neither one of us have fished it much. Um, the gray fox. Um, let me bring up my, my yeah, image yeah, here. Take your time. I'll let it. I'll let no, no. Is the gray fox is just kind of your, it, you know, it's what you when you close your eyes and you think of a dry fly. Like this, this is the gray fox. Really, it's just your your classic standard um, uh, PMD almost. It's it it almost looks like an, an Adams, but it has the the the. Um, uh, the the wing material in there, it's. Uh, I'm googling yeah, it. Just, I'm googling it right now because I want to. Yeah, Google. Sorry, it. I'm. I don't. I got so many windows open on my uh, laptop here. It's not funny. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to watch here. I'm trying to watch audio levels and Google stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. No worries. It's just your. It's your standard. Your classic dry fly pattern. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a humpy meets an atom, something in that vein, right? Yep, exactly. Yep, yep. Yeah. 
I could, well, that's fishy looking. It's a little lighter. To me, that looks mm-hmm. more like a, uh, like a pale morning dun or just, you know, it's in the a sulfur. It's in that yellowy yes. beige kind of vein the, more than the, the gray. sulfur. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But yeah, it looks like it's a, a very traditional fly. What about the reefer? The hippie stomper. What's going on <laughs> there? You got the hippie stomper introduced to the world by Andrew Grios. Uh, it's just this big foamy ant beetle hopper looking thing. It's a heavy foam dry fly that you know smacks the water when it lands. Um, this thing kicks butt. I mean, it's a great, easy, fairly easy tie. Um, it floats very big. You can put heavy weights underneath it. Um, yeah, great fly. You know, I fish that fly all the time and that's not what I call it. What do you call it? We call it a club sandwich. A club sandwich. But I'm telling you, if you look up a club sandwich, that is almost identical. The only difference I would say is, oh man, it's very similar, but yeah, that is a killer pattern. So there's something that could be a hopper. It could be a stone fly. Um, could be a lot of things, but yeah, the, the club sandwich, um, maybe, maybe that's a local term. Do you find that with flies uh-huh. too? Sometimes you get kind of like, you know, if you're fishing like the snake, people have fished that system all the time may have certain names or variations that are a little different than the norm. Yeah. I, I, I think that very much. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's a killer pattern. I, I fish that all day long. So number 19, we've got, uh, we've got in, in my opinion, the, one of the greatest flies of all time, the chubby Chernobyl versus the Royal Wolf. Um, mm. I think anybody who's fished in, in Western United States has fished a chubby at some point. Um, this is, this is a hall of famer fly. I mean, this is another one of those flies that has won the Jackson hole one fly, just a guide fly. Uh, Chris Cottony tied it and it is I mean, you can tie it small, you can tie it big for hoppers, salmon flies, beetles. I mean, this this is the fly for summertime fishing, in my opinion. Hmm. Do you know what I love about this matchup is you got something that's, like that fly hasn't been around forever, right? Right. I mean, with the right. simple name Chernobyl, that tells me kind of when, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We don't have to go back too far. But the Royal Wolf, I mean, come on, man. That You want to talk about something with some history um that's yeah that's it another another old and new fly right so uh yeah so from what i found this one shows up on the scene around 1878 wow whereas the chubby didn't come on the scene until like 2003 Hmm. so you know it's a huge difference there um but from what i understand the royal wolf is a is a is an attractor pattern um and there's a couple of different variations of it. You got the Royal, you got the uh, the Coachman, and you got the Trude. And, yeah. and to be honest with you, I don't, I don't, I've never fished them. I've never caught a fish on them. I've never seen a guide fish one. So, hmm. um, yeah, I, I I don't I don't have much experience with this fly. I know it's classic. I know it's it's yeah. it's a staple fly, but I just never fished it. How about you? I ha- I have and it was one of the first flies I've fished to be quite honest. Oh really? Like, yeah. So so for me that that pattern can be a lot of things and I I look at it as almost an attractor dry if that makes mm-hmm. sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got the yep. you got the bright red. You got the real visual colors and fish don't see like you and I see. And when I see that pattern, it could be a may. 
it could it could be a lot of things it just works and and it's it's one of those patterns that's been around forever i think since i was about 25 and when you say 1855 i think i was about 25 years old then but <laughs> that that it, since i can remember that pattern and i i assume it's lee wolf um well it's obviously before that actually yeah it's uh, uh well that's john what, that's what i always thought of when i saw that the wolf i always thought of lee wolf but no you're right i never thought of that mm. yeah and and i don't and maybe so what i found was john haley tied what we call the royal wolf in 1878 but but maybe he he tied something similar and lee wolf tied yeah. what we know now or something you know like the flies right. evolve over time so who knows sure and i'm sure there's a lot of historians out there that are listening to us that are going well actually this and let us know yeah. because for me that's that's fascinating right and and that's kind of why we're doing this too is to um you know have a have a running uh dialogue of of some of these patterns and i did get your 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 uh your message uh on the creator of some of those patterns i i'm gonna reach out we're gonna get some some of these creators of some of these flies on for sure which i think is pretty cool but we can't I think go, that'll be fun we can't go back to the 1800s <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah hell of a matchup for sure well, yeah what, what do we got next robert uh okay the next one we've got, matchup 20, is the, the Sofa Pillow versus the Griffiths Nat. And uh, so the Sofa Pillow uh, is from the 1940s, so it's kind of an older pattern, Pat Barnes. Um, and it's it's a big stone fly, golden stone, salmon fly type, type fly. Um, it kind of looks to me like the like the predecessor maybe to a stimulator, but it's kind of bigger and buggier. Um, I, I've only fished it a couple of times cause you know, I, I just tend to go with the more modern flies, but I, I know it's a classic fly and, and it's done really well, caught a lot of fish. Uh, and then the second one is the Griffiths gnat, which is, um, from 1939 from what I found was told tied by Walt Shaw. Um, and the Griffiths knot is just, you know, one of your standard knot patterns, yeah. very simple to tie, very clean, very, very elegant little fly. So you got this big, ugly terrestrial versus this, uh, pretty gnat in my opinion. Well, and I always, I always think when, when you go back, anything called a gnat tells me it's taking it back to the origins of, yeah. of fly fishing. Cause that's a very British term, um, yeah. for a, basically an adult coronamid or a midge. Um, but you know, so the Griffiths gnat, you know what I think of when I see that fly is, is the <laughs> renegade for some reason, mm -hmm. you know, just a little bit of, I think a little bit of peacock hurl, if I recall, and then some, some, basically some fine hackle. It's just, it's very versatile, right? It could be anything. Yeah. I've, I've actually seen this, this fly tied where they, they tie in the, the peacock and they tie in the, the hackle. And they just wrap both of them at the same time and then tie it off and whip finish. And it's just like a yeah. like a 30-second tie almost. It's a very fast. But it, it works and it catches fish. You know something I find about it? It doesn't ride high in the water column. It's a lot of times it's in the surface film or it may even sink because it really doesn't, it's not very buoyant. But mm -hmm. um, depending on the waters you're fishing, it can be a lot of different things. And it just looks buggy <laughs> like, a, yeah, like a lot of these yeah. patterns. Cool. Yep, yep. Right. Well... Uh, that's matchup 20 okay. matchup 21 is what you were just saying. Uh, we got the, the renegade versus the, 
uh, versus Amy's aunt. So again, another old and new. So from what I found, the 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 Renegade was the precursor for Griffith's Nap. Uh, this flight was tied in 1928 by Taylor Bear Tracks Williams, who I don't know anything about the guy, but if his name is Bear Tracks, he's oh, probably a badass, right? He's, he's legit. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. He didn't. He didn't uh, live in the city. That's true. That's definitely Bear true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I don't have much experience fishing this fly. It, it's a two-tone fly, so you, it's visible. Uh, looks like a midge cluster. Very pretty fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know that I've ever fished one before. I, I have fished a renegade. Um, again, for me, that's a fairly old-school pattern. But I will tell mm-hmm. you that I've never fished an Amy's Ant, and I can't wait to hit the bench and tie it up. Uh, what what does that look like? Uh, describe the Amy's Ant for those that don't the know. A- the Amy's Ant was tied in the 2000s by Jack Dennis. And the, the story of this one is that it won the Jackson Hole one fly. And I, I want to say it was like uh, Vice President Cheney and Jack Dennis were fishing together with this fly and they won or, or, or something like that. Um, hmm. So somebody ch- chime in if you know that. Uh, that story but so amy's ant is is a big foam pattern it's it's like a it's a double foam it has hackle underneath the body it's just a leggy you know you can change the colors of it uh change the color of the dubbing you can change the color of the foam and you've got a completely different fly but it's it's a very buggy fly purple is one of my favorite colors Hmm. and um it just you know the the cutthroat seemed to really enjoy this this fly it's it's a little bit involved. It's you know it takes a little bit of time to tie this one because there's a lot of moving pieces. But um, but it, it's a, it's a pretty fly. Does it have any rubber legs? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I that's oh, yeah. such a wicked combination. You know, yeah. foam rubber legs. It rides high in the water. Looks buggy. Could be a lot of things. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's one I look forward to trying. What are we looking at in the number twenty two matchup? 22 this one is gonna this one's a challenge this one's gonna be hard i think this is gonna be one where people have a have a crisis we got the stimulator versus the x caddis so the stimulator uh from 1980s randall kaufman and and i like i said i think that this is the this is the newer version of the um uh, what was the other one i just said this is the newer version of the uh sofa pillow okay um and you know we we all know stimulators. I think every fisherman in the in the world has a stimulator in the box. Yeah. Various sizes. I mean, it's hard to beat a stimulator. It's just such a such a classic fly. Uh, versus the X Caddis, which is uh, Craig Matthews of Blue Ribbon Flies tied this, and it's it's kind of like an elk hair caddis, but you're missing the hackle on the body, so you just have you have this um, uh, like casing almost like the body casing tails yeah. um with no with no hackle and then your elk hair so it's a, it looks it's a, it's a simpler to tie um elk hair caddis but it also like you're saying uh is deadly because i think it, it sits a little bit lower in the water it sits a little bit lower in that film sure. um and i think that even though it, it says it's a caddis because it floats a little bit lower looks it can be anything it could be any number of bugs okay so um i've fished a stimulator many 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 times uh x caddis obviously uh honestly i have not um does does it have rubber legs no that's kind of what i visualize when you say x i don't know why i just think that hmm. no it's it it's it's essentially an elk hair caddis but it has um so it, it has a little bit of a uh 
sparkle on the sure what looks like you know maybe maybe a casing yeah. that it, that a caddis just popped out of like just uh, or or mm. a mayfly something just popped out of on the surface film there I like um it. It, it, it's a it's a great fly i i prefer the x caddis over the elk here caddis if i'm fishing um mm. but but i don't know which one i prefer a simulator or an x caddis to be honest with you that's a tough one that is a tough one and anytime you can kind of have like a trailing shuck on a pattern Mm-hmm. I mean, trout can, as we know, especially on heavily pressured waters, they can get really selective. So to actually see that shuck behind the emerger for me, the dry, is yeah. uh, that's a good that's a good tool in the old toolbox for sure. Absolutely, I think that's why it's so deadly is that that shuck and coming off the back of it. And I, I stimulators, I struggle with the color on those. Like you can go so many different ways. They're so buoyant and. Mm-hmm. I, I've tied them in lots of different colors and they all seem to work depending on the waters you're fishing. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. All right, my friend, yeah, let's it. hit uh 23rd matchup of our top 30. Sorry. What is our top? What are we doing? 60, here? 64. Holy or 30. No, no, 32, 32 on this one. Yep. Sorry. Yep. I'll edit that of our top 32. Okay. Where were we at on the 23rd matchup, Robert? Okay. Matchup 23. We got Hemingway's, Tent wing caddis uh, versus the fat Albert. So another old kind of new fly. Uh, the Hemingway tent wing caddis is it's just a, it's a beautiful fly. It's a caddis and got it's got the uh, the turkey um, biot body, which just it looks just like a caddis with its wings folded back. Yeah, and it's got the the hackle. I, I just think it's such a, a pretty realistic looking looking bug. Um, it, it's just it's just a killer fly. Uh, tied in, you can tie it in any color you want, any size you want to match the caddis that's going off. Uh, just just a perfect caddis imitation. And then we've got the Fat Albert, which is invented by Brent Taylor out of Kansas City, Missouri. This is this I love this fly. This is a it's a hopper slash attractor pattern guide fly. Um, it, it takes kind of a little bit to tie it, but it's got beautiful segmentation on the body. Uh, you can tie it in any color you want. Brown is my favorite, light brown, dark brown. Mm-hmm. But you can tie it in, in purple. You can tie it in, in pink or peach. You can tie it in green. Uh, just and just an amazing go-to fly. Um, I think it's I think it's like a staple fly in like Chile, like or any place with cicadas and, and beetles. And right. Stuff. Yeah. Great fly. Any type of terrestrial and yeah. Those, again, those riding high, bright colors. Um, big legs exactly like they they just look so buggy and Mm -hmm. uh you know you get a little bit of wind and and things start kind of falling out of the trees that that might be a go-to for sure and it it also could be a stonefly it could be Mm -hmm. a caddis right i mean yeah i think sometimes we get zoned in on patterns but like you know a general silhouette of something buggy that's riding high during a hatch you know, I, the waters that I fish, you don't have to get too specific, just being honest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it depends, obviously, where you're at. If it's a heavily pressured water, you might have to get kind of dial it down a bit more, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, like every every good guide will tell you what they're eating that day is, is a good presentation, right? Right. Yeah. Drag free. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's go with 24. What have we got that matchup? 24. This is another really hard one. Uh, we got the Purple Haze versus the Light Cahill. 
Uh, Purple Haze was tied up by Andy Carlson of the Bitterroot Anglers in Hamilton, Montana in the year 2000-ish. It is, it's essentially a, an Adams, right? It's essentially a parachute Adams, but is, is purple. Uh, it has that white post that the hackle parallels the water around. Um, and I don't know what it is about the purple, but man, this fly just kills it. I just, I love this fly. Purple's my go-to in so many patterns. I retie a lot of mainstream patterns in purple. And, and Mm -hmm. I had, um, I've had some experts on on the podcast and they tell me that the way fish see it's more on the uv spectrum and purple is one of those colors purple black it's Mm -hmm. it's got so much versatility they see it they see it you know and uh yeah so many water color conditions light conditions um you know i think of Jimi hendrix when you say purple haze and when you said andy carlson i think of wkrp in cincinnati so i it's kind of like a little bit of a that's one might that's one might work but uh the light cahill that one's been around for for, i assume that's a pretty old pattern Mm -hmm. yeah this one another another old and new uh referenced uh in the 1880s uh by dan cahill and the catskills of new york so this is this is a lighter colored fly for cream colored mayflies, um, and if I'm fishing in a western river and it's July to October, and maybe the evening or early morning, I'm I'm probably going to put one of these on. I mean, it's just it's caught so many fish for me over the years. It's just such a go to fly, just just a great fly. Love it. I can't wait to yeah. see what you what. Am I going to be able to see what you pick? Probably not, right? Maybe you can tell me, but I, I'm really yeah, curious. Yeah. Be, because no matter where we are on, <laughs> yeah. the, on the planet, no matter where we are in, in the lower 49th, in North America in general, it's very specific. That's one thing about fly fishing. It's very specific to your waters. And, mm-hmm. and there's so many variations on these, but I'm learning a lot with these patterns because you're naming patterns that I don't fish and now I'm tying and I can't wait to tie. And then I'm like, hey, what if I do this with just a little twist? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was tying up some uh, Manhattans uh, last night and I'm going, this is going to be killer. I've never fished this pattern and I see so many possibilities with it. But let's yeah, be, that's that's exciting. Yeah. Let's dig into number 25. What do we got in that matchup? 25 man this one is this one's a hard one so we've got the classic zebra midge of of any flavor like whatever your favorite color is oh boy and and a comparadon again of any flavor any color so um zebra midge i mean what do i have to say about a zebra midge i mean this is probably the most versatile perfect fly there is right i mean Hmm. you can tie it in size 22 you can tie it all the way down to size 14 if you want um i was i was blown away by this it says it was designed in 1996 by ted welling Hmm. and what what did what did the world fish with before this fly (laughs) came out right what what were you guys fishing with in 1995 this is this is the most amazing fly ever (laughs) yeah i I, well do you know what's funny is i do remember a time before this pattern and and uh not to say people didn't fish something similar but when that pattern it was one of those original patterns in the mid 90s that kind of took everything by storm and everyone knows Uh what it is right 
Um, yeah. I think of Prince Nymphs. I think of Zugbugs. I think, we've hit a few patterns already on this that I remember a time where we didn't really fish some of these. You know, it's like hmm. I, you talk about some of these new uh, foam patterns and some of, some of the materials we have now. We never had, you know, back in the day. Yeah. But, a zebra midge is, like you say, versatile as heck. It uh, could be a mayfly, could be a chronomid, could be a lot of things, depending on the sizes. And then how do you, I mean, a comparadon, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, yeah. two different animals, but different stages. Let's so, say. yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're just they're different. Um, and so from what I found, um, I, I don't know who to give credit to. So somebody please chime in here from what I found, um, Al Couchy or Kachi from the 1960s came up with the comparison. But what I, from what I understand, the fly was the same fly, just had a different name. It was called haystacks. Mm. Um, and Fran betters in like the 1940s tied haystacks. So I, on the on the World Wide Web, I found two different people coming up with the Comparadon fly. Um, so please chime in and, and let me know. Um, I, I kind of want to give credit to Fran uh, in the 1940s for if it's the same fly, just called the haystack. Let's give credit to that person, but I, I don't know. So hmm. chime in and tell me I'm wrong. Um, but the Comparadon is, is is a low floating bug um the the deer hair sticks up and you can see it wonderfully in the water it's just a, a really great fly another one of those ones that looks like it's a bug stuck in the surface film yeah beautiful fly that's that's one pattern when you think about when you're we use we're very visual as fly fishers especially when we're fishing mm -hmm. dries and if you can't see it it almost doesn't matter it's like oh did yeah. something hit it but but not like as much fun yeah no it's not and uh when you can see it you know it's buoyant it's got some high vis visibility um you know characteristics it, it does make fishing a lot funner and you're more likely to hit those those takes than miss them right exactly exactly so yeah, matchup twenty-five zebra midge versus a comparadon. Again, you're in you're in Western United States, maybe Western Canada, whatever. You open your fly box. On one side is one fly, on the other side is another fly. Pick which fly you're going to tie on first. Match twenty-five. On one side you got a zebra midge. The other side you got a comparadon. <laughs> Good uh, luck. Yeah. <laughs> let us let us know how that goes. Um, what do yeah. we got next? Number twenty six as we uh, look at the top thirty two. Okay, number twenty six here we have what uh, what I am referring to as a no hackle. And uh, when I was doing research, I found that no hackle is is a style of tying where you don't use a hackle; you use other materials. And so we we posted a picture of what we are referring to as the no hackle. This is the fly that if you're fishing the Henry's Fork, you're fishing the Madison, you're fishing, you know, one of these one of these uh, Western rivers, and you go to the fly shop and you say, you know, what do, what do I what should I put on? They're going to give you one of these. This is a no hackle. This is what we're talking about. Um, I apparently a no hackle can be pretty much any fly, but this is the one that we're talking. About. We're talking about a PMD no hackle. Um, this this what I found is that they were first tied by Frederick Halford in the 1880s. Um, wow. so it's a, it's an old fly, but, um, but just, I mean, if flies been around for 140 years, it is a legit fly. Yeah. And some of these, some, what was old is now new again, right? 
You know, mm-hmm. I, we start looking at some of these patterns, and I found that in, in my my tying. A lot of times, you go back to some of these old school patterns. A lot of them are more suggestive than realistic, and they just work because mm-hmm. they could be a lot of things. So, what do we what do we put in the no hackle up against? The no hackle is going against the extended body deer hair parachute drake, which is a whole mouthful. But uh, but we'll we'll post a picture there. It's it's a it's a green drake or a brown drake, whatever color you want. Um, and it's got it's just the whole body is essentially made of deer hair, and it has a parachute on the top. Um, I, I love this fly. Uh, came to the to the fly fishing world in 1971 from Carl Richards and Doug Swisher. Um, and I mean here here's here's a little secret. You can catch fish on a drake pattern even when drakes aren't hatching. Uh, it, oh, yeah. it's just a, it's just a buoyant fly it's just a big bug and uh, and, f- and fish love them and they work really well i love this fly hmm. you you're gonna i'm gonna be uh working with some deer hair now thanks to you i, I this you, you, some of these patterns you're throwing <laughs> out here man i know it's gonna take some time because what i'm finding is a lot of these ones so i when we go to tie new patterns new to us we've never tied whatever it is the ixnay boblay you look it up on i go to youtube usually and then i watch mm-hmm. like you know 13 of the best tires on the planet tie it i pick the one i like and then you know inevitably the first couple you do are maybe not perfect but then it's like okay that's why i'm trying to do six of these so you get a feel for them at least mm-hmm. but uh i love it so what are we looking at in the 27 slot 27 we got the woolly bugger versus Dalai Lama. Oh, that's a toughie. So we've got two two kind of streamers here. And, and this is, again, another one of those. So if you're an old-timer, please chime in here. This fly apparently was, was brought to us in 1967 by Russell Blessings, which is like, what did you guys fish in 1966 if you didn't fish woolly buggers? It's incredible to me. I thought this fly would have just been around forever. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> um, For sure. But anybody who doesn't know what a woolly bugger is, man, you better educate yourself quickly. This is probably one of the best flies ever created. I mean, if this fly doesn't make it to the final four, I don't know what to do here. Um, this <laughs> I've caught so many, so many fish on this, you know, freshwater, saltwater, panfish, bass, trout, stillwater, rivers. I've caught, I mean, everything. I mean, you can tie these small, you can tie them big in any color. You can put yeah. a conehead. I mean, just what an incredible fly, right? And, and amazing what you can do by just changing the bead color, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have fished so many different ones. I think of patterns we fish now, like the vampire leech we fish. There's so many variations of a woolly bugger that have mm-hmm. different names. Depending on the size, depending on the body of water you're fishing, it can be so many things. It could be a case caddis. It could be could be a leech it could be another mm-hmm. bait fish you know um mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, it's just killer and and it's again one of those ones that's suggestive more than realistic mm-hmm. yeah definitely mm-hmm. um yeah let's save some of our content because i think that we're going to be doing a couple more rounds of the woolly bugger here we'll, <laughs> we'll, maybe we'll do some fishing stories with them <laughs> yeah. i i hope so um what about so the dalai I, lama I feel bad for for JJ Pilgreen who came up with the Dalai Lama in the year 2000s. JJ, please, you know, no offense, man, it was just randomly generated. I, I'm sorry that your fly went up against the freaking classic woolly bugger. Um, 
so the Dalai Lama is a great big streamer. It's usually a two tone streamer. Um, it's uh, it's a big meaty, you know, squirrel hair, fleshy pattern. Um, you know, personally, I'm not much of a streamer fisherman myself. Um, but you know, if I if I'm fishing a woolly bugger and it doesn't work, then usually I'll put on a Dalai Lama or something. It's a, it's a great fly. Really, really, you know, very. Um, got a lot of motion usually it's tied with a big cone head so it's got a lot of motion in the water uh, beautiful fly um but yeah, yeah. I, I don't typically fish a lot of streamers but this is one of them that i, that I do like to fish hmm. yeah i'm in the same boat like where i'm at a lot of these a lot of, especially when we're fishing smaller streams and even some of the rivers where i'm at they're not real meat eaters you know so mm-hmm. so when we get into some of these more meaty patterns it kind of um it interests me because it's new but i think one thing i will tell you i remember the first time i ever fished the elk river which is a pretty famous river in in southern british columbia in the rocky mountains kind of on the uh montana border there's there's these uh cutthroat in there that are like epic fish but there's also these mm-hmm. bull trout in there Mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. and we'd fish these crossover patterns that may be a bug but also maybe a and you never know you might get a two pound western slope cutty or you might hook into a 20 pound bull oh my and, gosh yeah. and uh like for me that's where some of these patterns come in like a dalai lama or a woolly bugger because it could be a lot of things it could be some meat you know it could be some flesh from a dead fish floating by it could be anything mm-hmm. but um yeah, put it in the wood and hang on is what we used to do. <laughs> okay, let's, I love it. Let's look at number twenty-eight. What do we got? Number twenty-eight, we got the the fabled Copper John versus the Circus Peanut. So we've got a, a nymph versus a streamer here. Um, again, came around in the scene nineteen nineties by John Barr. So I don't know what the heck you guys fished in nineteen eighty-nine and before, but this is just <laughs> such a classic fly. I mean this this has to be, this is one of my favorite flies, and I'm I'm totally biased. It's um, it's one of the first flies I, I think I ever caught trout on, uh, in Utah. You can tie it in green, red, yellow, purple, blue, green, like whatever color you want. Just yeah. to, it's got that copper, so it sinks fast. Yeah. Perfect fly. Love this fly. Yeah. And, and I, I used to love a specific way to fish that. It's just kind of, uh, well, how people Euro nymph now, just a nice tight line. Because that mm-hmm. thing does sink like a rock. Um, mm-hmm. It was one, one of those patterns that I remember when it first came out and when we started fishing it, you did not want to be slack to your, to your mm-hmm. line because something was going to hit it. It just looked buggy and it sank. And you could get it down into some of those little pools and holes that maybe some of the other patterns wouldn't go what what's your color i i like the just the standard copper it, oh, okay yeah but i do like a little this will sound funny but a little peacock curl in there yep yep definitely and, yep. you know and the thorax totally i just there's something about that peacock curl and um and and depending on the size and and the beautiful thing is is it's weighted twice i mean you got the bead head usually there's a little bit of lead in there plus you got mm-hmm. the copper plus the hook it's just, uh, it's buggy and it sinks like a rock. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we going up against again on the, the peanut? So the, the Copper John versus the Circus Peanut. And the Circus Peanut is a is a big old streamer. Uh, first tied in 2000 by Russ Madden. Um, 
what I, what I really like about this streamer is, is it's, is it's a big articulated streamer, but what's, what's fun about it is typically it has like a bead or two in the articulation. Um, and, and I'm not sure if that just acts as a hot spot or like, you know, brown trout being the predators they are, they just see the, that bead and they, they just go to grab it. Or if they, maybe they think it's a, a juvenile fish eating an egg or something. I'm, I don't know. But uh, but I, I I do think the 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 bead is is really nice on the circus peanut. Uh, it's really cool fly, uh, big fly legs, all kinds of cool stuff. It's got it's got ingredients of everything that you want in a in a streamer. I got to be honest, not a pattern I've ever fished, but I can see a lot of I can see a lot of applications for it for sure. I'm mm-hmm. just I'm looking at it right now. What is it as far as colors? Um, so I'm looking at this website image here, and they got them in black, they got them in brown, they got them in olive, they got them in tan, they got them in white. Is there a go-to color for you in that circus peanut? I've always been a fan of yellow. Yellow, okay. Yeah, I, I like the I like yellow or olive and yellow or something, but I, mm-hmm. I've, I've been a fan of yellow. Hi, Viz. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. All right, Robert. Match up 29 of 32 in the first bracket here. Um, 29 looking at 29 we got the the sex dungeon versus the muddler minnow oh Um, man you're killing me with this one (laughs) so the sex dungeon um i i did not want to look up this fly on my work computer just from the name alone (laughs) you know what i mean uh i don't want to get pinged or something so uh the sex dungeon is a (laughs) kelly gallup streamer just a great big uh streamer it's got the uh, it's got the deer hair. It's got legs. It's just a a, a big giant fly. Um, I I don't know that I've ever fished one. Have you? I haven't. But it's funny you just said some of these Google searches. Like I'm sitting there with my wife and we're and we're just we're watching TV and I'm googling the pattern I'm going to tie for what you and I are doing right now and it was barely legal. And she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "This is a fly, man." Chill it's a fly, out. trust me. Yeah. Sex, yeah. sex dungeon. She didn't like yeah, you searching for that one either. But I will tell you, I have not fished it. Uh, just being honest, but it looks beefy. It looks like something you would catch something super big on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, uh, it's a meat eater kind of fly. You know. Um, yeah. Can't wait to try to tie it. You know. Um, my struggle is what color to tie it in. You know, like I any of these patterns when you google them it seems like everyone's done a variation of it i look at a lot of the um fly fish food those guys and they'll be mm-hmm. like yeah do this but in this color with with uh, you know this color bead and i'm like yeah oh, that looks pretty cool but yeah. um yeah I, I haven't tried it um but the muddler minnow i mean come, come on <laughs> like i've caught probably more fish on that fly in my life than any other pattern and I'm, yeah. I mean, I mean wet, I mean dry, I mean in the film. That's a vers- yep. versatile. That's this is going to be a nasty category, a nasty little bracket here because that's not an easy call. Right, absolutely, I agree with you. Yeah, the the muddler minnow. I mean, this is one, another one of those flies when somebody buys a fly rod for the first time, and and, and they buy a one of these starter kits. This fly is going to be in there, right? Yeah. Um, so it was first tied in 1936 by Don Gapen of Anoka, Minnesota. Um, and I, what I love about this is like, this is a classic streamer. So, you know, streamers used to be an inch or two 
max, right? And now our streamers are articulated six inches long, you know, and um, I, I think, you know, th- there's definitely a, a reason for that. But, mm-hmm. um, but man, that, that muddler minnow, what an incredible fly. Well, I got to tell you, when I first start, started fishing a muddler subsurface, I'm like, this is a sculpin. This is a sculpin pattern. Fish are going to chew it up and it works. Brookies love it. Brookies <laughs> love it. Like it's like it's like a food group for them. But it <laughs> it could also be a caddis, right? So if you're fishing mm-hmm. it high or dry, it floats, it looks like a caddis to me. And I will tell you that I fished this pattern on still waters and used it as a dragonfly pattern. And it oh, yeah. it will okay. work. It will work cuz it looks, you know, if you're using the right size, right shape, um, and it floats up off the weeds, being deer hair. Uh, it could be a bait fish. It just works. And this is, again, another perfect suggestive pattern. Whoever, who I can't remember who you said came up with this or even if we went there, but whoever did, uh, kudos, because they had their thinking cap on, and, and it's a very versatile fly. Yeah, so it's from Don Gapen in 1936. And, uh, you know, if, if you think about just the 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 fabric used in a muddler minnow i mean it's you could tie that with stuff from around your house you know and you know i'm pretty sure that's what they probably did yeah. back in the day oh it uh i've caught some uh double digit brook trout on that fly and oh man i just so that that pattern for whatever <laughs> reason that's uh that one really speaks to me it works on on brookies like it is seriously in a it's a food group for them i love it yeah okay let's let's hit number it. 30 we're almost there we're almost got this first bracket done and uh i'm like going like there's too many choices but what's what's I'm, the 30th matchup 30th matchup we've got uh, the moorish mouse versus the semi-seal leech so we've got a, a mouse versus a uh, leech pattern. Uh, so Ken Morish tied the Morish mouse in 2002. And as the story goes, he was headed to, uh, Kamchatka, Russia, and he wanted a, a mouse pattern that had a, a, the perfect profile, um, didn't soak up a lot of water. It was easy to cast. And, um, and I think he nailed it with this, with this Morish mouse, man, this thing is, a, it's a really cool looking pattern. I've never fished one because I've never been to Russia. I've never fished a place that um, that the the trout um, you know tend to like the mice. Um, I've always wanted to you know go mouse fishing at night uh, here in Idaho or here in, in Montana or wherever. But um, but apparently in some rivers you can just fish this at any time of the day and ginormous fish will come and eat them so that would be oh, awesome yeah. you know where th- this pattern for me too screams bass so if you're fishing yes if you're yes. fishing uh whether it's uh smallies or largemouth uh bounce it off some reeds bounce it off some lilies and some backwater mm-hmm. and it's probably going down um yep. I, I fish a lot of mouse patterns actually and i will tell you that uh it's about as exciting as it gets in, in my mind but uh it's, I bet. it's usually not for trout just being honest it's usually for bass yeah i, I, I bet yeah that's, that's a great great point Sim, um, simi seal though like the simi seal leech like you've got this is an interesting matchup because it, th- these are two totally separate different flies yeah, and uh, I will tell you that semi seal leeches make up a huge percentage of my patterns. 
in, in different colors and beadhead colors. Mm-hmm. And, but what's the, um, the origins of that pattern? So from what I found, uh, the semi-seal leech is, um, well, it's, it's a leech pattern, but it's tie, tied by a specific material called a, a semi-seal. And it's this, it's a special dubbing that you can make really nice leech bodies with, um, from what I found. Uh, so it's, it's not like it, when I say semi-seal leech, I think everybody knows what I'm talking about, but I don't know that the semi-seal leech is like a a term, you know what I mean? I I think semi-seal is a type of material and it's a leech. Um, so John Romer, uh, from what I found is the first person to have tied a semi-seal leech. Um, and I'm, I'm glad he did because it's a beautiful fly. Hmm. Well, and I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I might get nailed for this, but I believe that a lot of this came from seal fur back in the day, which I know mm-hmm. in my neck of the woods is illegal to actually tie with now and it, you basically can't find it anymore. Um, but it it rides high in the water. It's very translucent. It's It's just buggy looking. And, mm-hmm. and now we have a lot of synthetics that do the exact same thing. So you'll see like that Arizona semi-seal or you'll see, mm-hmm. you know, different uh, companies that come out with it because there's some really, really good, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not real. What, what, um, synthetic? Thank you. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> synthetic materials that duplicate that in a lot of ways. But great pattern could be so many things like mm-hmm. and, and again that to me could be a bait fish i think a lot of people like you, when you start thinking leech well yeah it's a leech but if you look how it moves in the water and some of that brushed like that combed dubbing mm-hmm. it's just buggy it's spacious it breathes in the water it's like uh it's not unlike marabou it has a life of its own mm-hmm. yep absolutely yeah all right, uh, let's let's jump into number thirty-one. What are we What are we looking at? Thirty-one is the Slump Buster, which is a streamer versus the Frenchie. So uh, John Barr came up with the Slump Buster. It um, I, it's made to imitate sculpins, juvenile fish. Um, I I love this fly. Again, it's a really cool fly, and um, I've caught a lot of fish on this and. We drove through British Columbia, and uh, this was actually my go-to fly pretty much the entire way through through BC. Hmm. Um, we, anything that had a big pocket, I was throwing this through it, see if I could get one of those big bull trout to come come get it. Um, Did it work? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right yeah, it, it definitely worked. Um, and then the other fly is the, the Frenchie. Um, I cannot find who designed this fly. Um, but I think it's a newer fly. Yeah. yeah I think this is old. one of those, I think this is one of those European competition flies. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's, you know, it's, it's essentially, a, a, a easier pheasant tail with a hot spot is, is essentially what it is. And, um, you know, I think this thing's came, came onto the, the world a dozen or so years ago and it's just taken yeah. the world by storm. Just a, just a really great fly. I feel like it's a precursor to some of these Pertagons and some of these uh, Euronymph type flies, one of the earlier yeah. ones, you know? But you're right. It, yeah. ha- it hasn't been around forever. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming from the name, it, it's, it's French in origin, but I have no idea. I think that's a good guess. 
<laughs> All right. So the last matchup in this bracket. Okay. So um, we're talking about the top 32 flies going head to head. You pick your faves. There's so many choices here. And to be honest with you, I think we're going to really start some dialogue. What's the last, yeah. last matchup in this bracket? The last matchup of the first round is the Sparkle Dunn versus the Clouser Minnow. Jeez. I know, right? So uh, Craig Matthews designed the Sparkle Dunn in the 1980s, and this is just an, an incredible PMD. Um, and, and like you're saying, any fly that has that shuck body or that, that spent casing is is just a, a deadly fly. I mean, fish just eat that up, and, and this is – a perfect example of that sparkle done PMD imitation. Um, and then you've got the Clouser minnow invented by 1987 by Bob Clouser himself, bait fish, it, probably one of the most versatile streamers, probably one of the most versatile flies ever made. I mean, again, you can catch bass, tarpon, trout. Um, you can tie yeah. it in any color, chartreuse, red, blue, um, just an incredible fly. You, you would be amazed, Robert, because that's one of the questions I ask on my weekly podcast is if you're limited to one fly, what is it? The Clouser has come up a lot. Like, really? Like you say, whether it's saltwater, whether they're fishing for bass, smallmouth, largemouth, um, aggressive brown trout, um, even, even you know, uh, sea run fish in general, um, salmon, yeah, a lot of people steel, steelhead. Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, it's just, it's one of those meat patterns, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I I think I talked to um, the guys from, uh, oh shoot, what was the name of that fly company? But it was kind of like a meat your butcher. Lucas was his name. <laughs> they they did nothing but meat flies in the Clouser. They had all these crazy different names and different patterns, but uh, that was. Uh, I mean, you can't beat a Clouser, let's face it. But uh, Sparkle Dunn, that's, again, two different animals. But um, depending what you're doing, either one might be your go-to. So uh, chime yep. in. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what people have to say. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm, Mark, I just want to say thanks for, for helping me do this. I think this is going to be a lot of fun for a lot of anglers to go through. I think it's going to be fun the first round. And then I think rounds two, three, the quarterfinals, semifinals, we're going to <laughs> we're gonna see some, some, some crises here. Like some of these flies, man. I I'm gonna have a hard time picking one versus the other. Um, so, but but you know, th- thanks for thanks for doing this with me. Thanks for oh, for I'm, joining us on this journey, man. I appreciate it. Thanks hey, for tying. Yeah, it's great. Man. I, I'm excited. So so again, just just a quick kind of wrap up. The rules are: you're basically in a, a Western River, whether it's Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Washington, U- Utah, Oregon even if it's in your neck of the woods, but think about what you reach for more often than not. You got all these patterns going head to head. Um, and uh, Robert and the guys at Karmic Outdoors are, are bringing you this. Get your last gear back. Look them up at karmicoutdoors.com. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun and, and it's going to create some dialogue and I hope to get some people on that maybe created these patterns. And uh, I, I, I thank you for for such a good idea. Cause I'm, I'm excited. Uh, March is a perfect time because we're all chomping at the bit to get out, mm-hmm. chase, chase some fish. 
and uh, things are starting to open up. And uh, let's let's face it, we're all spending a lot of time at the vice, so I think this might drive some some tying too. I sure hope so. That's that's sort of the goal: get us excited for fishing, tie some flies, and then get us ready for for the uh, for the new fly fishing season coming up. Um, so that's it for round one. Um, round one ends March fourth. Uh, then we're going to jump into round two. You can fill out your entire bracket now, but we're going to close the brackets every week. Um, and that's when the votes are going to populate. So, uh, check back in to round two matchup, which is going to end on March 11th. So, uh, yeah, check back in. Good stuff. Thanks Robert for, for doing this. And we'll talk, uh, next week. You're listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, March Mania Fly Bracket Edition. Brought to you by Karmic Outdoors. Get your lost gear back, where the top 64 flies go head to head. Be prepared for your next adventure with Karmic Outdoors. You, you, are, listening. you are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast.